So hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A, where your questions and votes really do drive the show. A warm welcome to everybody. Do please let our social team online know your name and, of course, the city from where you are joining. We do love to get everybody involved. Our social team, of course, they're going to post a link into the chat. I think it's Ella and Adriana today, actually, who are doing that. So they'll be busy online putting into the chat a link for you to vote up the questions that you would most like answered. And, of course, to encourage you to add your own. We live stream Mondays at 8 and Fridays at 2 p.m. UK time to both YouTube and also to LinkedIn. Now, if your question for the panel is selected, then your name will appear in the credits at the end of the show. So do get yours in early and stay with us to see that happen. Today, we're going to be talking all about leadership and in particular, a um, how to become and remain authentic whilst you're doing that kind of role. Um, now, whether your primary job role, of course, is to be a leader or not, when I think we're informally called upon all the time for these skills, you know, in our teams and so on, both inside work and also outside if we're volunteering in any way and that kind of thing. So keeping honest about who we are and keeping true to our own values is really a key element of a sustainable, approachable leadership um, style. Joining us today are a great panel who work across industries and are truly spanning the globe, actually. So let's jump in and meet them all. Bev Andrews returns today. She is, of course, a director over at Aspire Change Management, who work in both government and in the commercial sectors, focusing on enabling complex transformation programs to happen um, with pace and scale. A regular contributor to Level Up, Bev is based out of Perth in Western Australia. So welcome back, Bev. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much, Nick. It's lovely to be back and um, looking forward to a really robust conversation. Uh, leadership and, and change is um, really close to my heart. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And they kind of go hand in glove, really, don't they, together? Chris Bevan joins us today. He's executive chairman of Provac, a leading project management training and consultancy based here in the UK. Now, Chris's career is really fascinating. He's worked both in the UK and in the States. And I think it's fair to say that he's equally comfortable working with the C-suite as he is in working with key talent at the operational level, um, vastly experienced and a passionate advocate for quality in everything he does. Chris really does lead by example. So welcome to the panel, Chris. Lovely to have you. Thanks, Nick. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to a vigorous chat on, uh, on a very, very important topic. <laughs> now, now the, the the reason why I'm laughing, okay, the con the context of the of the pre-show conversation was about um, how rapidly things are changing in UK politics, and you know, if somebody says if somebody says robust conversation at the moment, we all think, ooh, okay. So, rejoining <laughs> us anyway from uh, all the way from Singapore is Sarbajit Bose. He is, of course, managing director over at Cyber Services, and um, he works tirelessly across the Southeast Asia region to deliver value to his clients, helping them improve their cyber resilience and adopt leading practice. Welcome back to the panel, Sabajit. Lovely to see you again. Hi, Nick. Um, thank you so much for having me and all the best to all, everyone in the panel here. And we hope we are in the right nick of time, you know, as we see what things are happening across the globe. So authentic leadership is what we should be 
focusing on for the day. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Now, we've got a couple of little um, technical challenges happening today. So we're going to try and get a better video connection. We've got a great audio connection with Sarbajit, but we do want to try and establish that video link as well. Mark Rovers joined us back on the panel again um, today. So welcome back, Mark. He's first and foremost, of course, a leadership coach in his team at Interprom creating new levels of value for their clients both in Europe now as well as in the USA and of course you know he is a regular contributor for us here on the show so um great to see you Mark hope you're doing well thank you Nick thanks for having me great to see you great to see everybody else thank you everyone for having me and look forward to uh, some um robust questions all right, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Now I'm terrified. Our question master for today is, of course, uh, the the, uh, uh, the very talented Shanice Mitchell-Cox. She's actually joining us from the, the green rolling valleys of South Wales here in the UK. Um, how how are things over in South Wales, Shanice? Always wet, always raining over here, but always lovely. So can't complain. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Well, let's put some of that green, green grass to um, to good purpose, if you like. And I think we should jump straight in. We have got quite a lot of folks already online. I'm just actually going to have a little quick look over on our social feed as to what's happening. Really does look quite an active group today. So that's great. And welcome to our regular um, viewers as well. So welcome back, Diane. Lovely to see you um, online again today. Thank you for joining us. Very good. Now, on that note, Shanice, if we may, let's jump in and take our first question, please. Of course, Nick. Thank you. We've got a question from Ruth in the UK. What does it mean to the panel to be an authentic leader? Hmm. So, panel, what does it mean to be authentic? Mark, why don't you start us off and then we'll hear from Bev. For me, it's about being uh, inspirational, somebody who can motivate. Those are two uh, words that come immediately to mind. So <clears throat> I will leave it, at, uh, leave it at that. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Bev and then Sarbajit. Um, I think it's very much around being um, trustworthy and confident, um, empathetic. It's it's really portraying um, an interest in people. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Some good thoughts here to get us going. Um, Sarbajit, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from Chris. Yeah, thank you. So I would say that an authentic leader should be someone who is honest, loyal, should be positive in, in the thinking, optimistic, and, of course, the ethical values that must be there. Um, and that's something that we need to foster in every leader so that we can really be a leader, not just a manager or someone of authority. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Sabashit. Super important, very, very good advice. Um, Chris, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I agree with everything that, that the panel have said. I would add two elements. One is a good leader has to be resilient. The, the leader has to take pressure and be able to deal with that sort of pressure in a, in a positive way. And that helps by being very self-aware and being self-aware of how one is seen and have the emotional intelligence to be self-aware. 
And that's such an important point, isn't it? Because I, I think sometimes, particularly when people even, you know, if you move up an organization, then there's a greater chance that you need to remain authentic because <laughs> people already know you. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know Nick. You know, I know what he does. I know, kind of know what he's like. You know, I've worked with him before, you know, kind of thing. And mm. uh, whereas when mm. you change organizations and you appear, you know, in a senior role or in the leadership role of some form or another, then actually people don't know you. And the risk is there that you mm. don't, you know, kind of, look in the mirror but you rather look through a particular lens and um, we all know that not everything on Instagram is real and not everything (laughs) we see of ourselves is real if we're looking through a particular filter so there we are so great advice to get us going and Ruth thank you so much what a fantastic question to start us off on that note um, Shanice let's crack on if we may and take our next question please Of course. So we've actually got a question from yourself, Nick. (laughs) Within hybrid working, how can a leader maintain an open door policy? This was a question um, for context panel that I was asked myself right, a little while ago. So I thought it would be a really good one, you know, just to kind of relay on into this particular event. So, Chris, would you like to start us off and then we'll hear from Sarvajit? Yeah, I think when we use the term open door, we need to mean access. So people have access to the leader. Um, so it's not a physical thing. It's more of a, um, if you like, an emotional and also the ability to have contact and engage. It hasn't got, it's got nothing to do with doors. It's got everything to do with access. How do you make yourself accessible? Indeed, absolutely right. Thank you very much. Sabajit, can you answer the question? Do you think, you know, how can we kind of practically do that? And then we'll hear from Bev. Right. Um, Now, today's date, having an open door um, also means that we have to have an open communication channel. And we know that um, from the security perspective, there are certain constraints and threats with each other. So we must have that base infrastructure that help us to be open door. Now we see um, today, most of the social media has become a platform of misuse of power. And uh, many people, instead of criticizing or commenting, they try to abuse and anyone. So leaders sometimes also can face such dilemma. But if there is a good trust between the leader and those the person is leading, if there's an honest um, you know, relationship, there's an openness which is built in, and of course the platform of technology is there, then I would think that a leader can maintain an open policy without any fear or of getting uh, you know, too much of uh, stress. Okay, thank you. thank you very much indeed. Uh, Bev, how, how, how should we go about doing this kind of thing? Well, just following on from the previous um, comment around um, it's about being, you know, accessible. And um, when you're not, you need to be visible. And so when you're in the office, you can be visible because you can physically open the door and you can walk the floor. But when you're, um, you know, working in different locations, it's not so easy. So it's simple things like um, um, being online, 
uh, making the time, being proactive to check in with people. Um, you know, little things like the first 10 or 15 minutes of each morning that you've got your teams um, open so that people can actually, you know, pop in and have a have a quick chat. Um, it, it just things like that, you know, but being visible, active, proactive with with um, okay. and being present. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. Thank you very much indeed, Bev. Um, Bart, what are your thoughts? Great question, Nick, and uh, glad to help you. Um, it's indeed that they, uh, like uh, what Bev was talking about, and I want to just uh, give a, an additional level of depth to that as far as, you know, if we start these online meetings and we literally, you know, join the meeting a minute before and we, uh, you know, leave the meeting, you know, right at the end of the meeting, but we never stay on and we never show up early. Those are opportunities mm -hmm. to uh, maybe have a little bit of uh, additional chat or I think a good leader actually should make the time to also reach out mm -hmm. and have another conversation on just business uh, and then, you know, uh, and in that way, uh, remain in touch and remain interested as far as what goes on in another person's life because in an office it's easy to have a chat like that at the water cooler but and when it's about online that's uh, often uh, not present anymore because we just show up for meetings and we leave and that's it and we don't make the time for all yeah. these social talks so to speak absolutely that's really really important now something that um you may have noticed in this question actually it was one of those which uh, i caused me to stop and think personally you know how do my uh, how do i actually maintain this because you're so right in a physical environment it's relatively straightforward you know you sit in one of those glass boxes or you sit in an open plan you know office people can see you you walk around you know management by walking around is still a thing i think and you know you're able to engage and, and so on and encourage people through doing all of that. Now, when you are working remotely, then how do you actually do that? And it was a colleague who kind of thought up as part of the mental health awareness work that was going on within APNG, that it would be really great to have some totally optional, just drop in virtual you know, coffee and tea breaks and so on. So we run these now weekly in different times to different time zones. And anybody can turn up and take part. It's not to do with work. It's just to do with being <laughs> present. And it's amazing mm. the range of topics, you know, that, that get discussed. And so, mm. you know, I've started to adopt that a little bit more and also to join those meetings 15 minutes before where I can, where I know there's going to be a few folks so that they can see me and, uh, you know, if they want to just drop me a little, you know, private message or something to say, let's catch up on something, you know, then, then at least we can do that. So it seems to work quite well, mm -hmm. but it is a little different with a hybrid team, you know, to try and make sure that it's, you are visible and accessible and approachable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, quite mm -hmm. a hard thing to kind of carry off in full. So thank you very much, panel. Some really good advice there. So Shanice, I can see that we've got some uh, a whole heap of questions actually stacking up from <laughs> our viewers as well as those pre-submitted. So let's move on. Let's take our next question, please. Of course. We've got a question from Koi. What are the most vital traits of a leader in an organisation? Okay. Um, Chris, would you like to start us off with this one? And then we'll hear from Mart. Um, yes, I'm thinking characteristics more than sort of traits. Maybe they're the same thing. 
um, we've, as we mentioned earlier on, um, that, that ability to be resilient is, is very, very important. But having humility and, and vulnerability, I think, is also very, very important. It doesn't matter um, you know, what the size of your organization is. I would guarantee that leaders do not have all the answers. So having that humility to know mm -hmm. that, to say that, and to welcome, um, to welcome responses from the team to help make a better decision is absolutely critical. So I'd say humility and vulnerability may not sound to be on the top 10 of an authentic leader's list, but they must be in the top five. It's quite interesting, isn't it, when we contrasted the styles of politicians around the world. And was it um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand who, during the darkest days of the health pandemic, was seen to be really authentic? And she did show that mm -hmm. a degree of vulnerability, a degree of you know, herself yeah. through the words, mm -hmm. the phrasing, the empathy that she was conveying, mm -hmm. you know, to her people at a time of, of great distress and great concern. Mart, your thoughts mm -hmm. um, on this one, what are those most vital attributes, traits and so on? Probably building a little bit of what uh, Chris just said, um, but I'm going off what uh, Jim Collins wrote in his book "Good to Great," which everybody has to read who's in this uh, in this top into this topic. Um, being humble, level five leaders, he said, are humble. Um, so similar to what uh, Chris just said, uh, compared to a level four leader who positions uh, him or herself as in I lead and I have a thousand foot soldiers. Uh, in other words, that's not makes mm -hmm. a, a good character trait so again good to great jim collins a must read thank you very much indeed and um social i think we'll try and pick up we'll dig out a link um for that we'll put that in the social chat sabajit your thoughts please on this one yeah thank you i also want to build up on what was what has been talked about so far and i would also like to quote michael orland uh, when he says the earn the right to lead become a better leader by strengthening the relationship. So it's about connecting to people. And when you connect to people, that's where you get the authenticity. That means you are self-aware and uh, you are true. What you say, you walk the talk and you are proactive. And I like quite the example that Nick gave about the New Zealand Prime uh, Minister's uh, example. And she did show us a true authentic leader what should be you know i would say mm -hmm. that was a wonderful example that we saw yeah yeah no and and you can tell that this is a live stream because of course my brain just just left her name off entirely when we were talking about it but it's of course jacinda ahern okay it's kind of came back to me yeah Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. So, it, um, uh, Arden, yeah, thank you. So it did come back to me over time, but there we go. So um, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Um, so I think what we should do is why don't we kind of uh, look at the social feed and we'll kind of see who we've got actually online at the moment. Uh, Marion, thank you so much. She's actually a colleague in APMG joining us uh, from Housen in the Netherlands. Now, an English person can always mispronounce any Dutch name 
that you can uh, come up with. So I've just just done a splendid job of doing that on behalf of a grateful nation. Thank you, Marion. And um, also, we've got Arlene joining us from Barbados. I'm not remotely jealous, um, Arlene, at all, (laughs) when I contrast my weather outside my window with where you are. And and Koi, thank you again, my friend. Thank you for your question, actually, all the way from Vietnam. Really nice for you to be joining us um, today. It's fantastic giving us a little bit of your weekend. And of course, Diane Rampadarath, who um, uh, is going to be joining us from uh, over there, kind of on that beautiful sun-kissed island of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, And we've got the team also down at the bottom end of the southern tip of Africa in Cape Town, which is great. So please do, if you're online, put your question into the chat. Um, Ella and Adriana will pick it up and bring it in to uh, the panel and we'll get it in front of them just super fast. And on that note, Shanice, shall we move on, please? Let's take our next question. Of course. Um, We have a question, a live question from Arlene on YouTube. How important is EI today as a leader? Is it something you're born with or is it a skill that can be developed? Um, EI Mm. referring to emotional intelligence. Thank you very Mm. much indeed. Now then, this is really fascinating, isn't it? We've got a panel here of leaders (laughs) and change management professionals. So I imagine... (laughs) You're all going to be fans of this. So so let's focus on, is it n- nature or nurture? Bev, why don't you start us off, all right, and then we'll go to Mark. So I actually think it's a bit of both. You know, like you, you, um, you've all probably experienced leaders where it just comes naturally. And I think that's partly um, because they've already got those traits, but also partly um, the environment that they have been uh, raised in and the values, the experiences um, and all those types of external um factors. Um, but I do believe you can develop your emotional intelligence. Um, it's like it's like any skill. You practice it, you um, observe, you get feedback, you try again, um, and you keep practicing. And you, do, and you just got to um, balance the skills that you're trying to develop with the strengths that you already have, um, because you don't want to try to overcompensate because then you end up coming across less sincere. So um, you do need to build that self-awareness so that you can understand then from yourself where you want to actually um, develop and where, where that might be important and something that you can do um, that becomes natural and second, second um, um, uh, just within yourself. So I think it's a bit of a balance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think you're you're right there. It, it's like um, the Star Wars films, you know, when they talk about the force almost. You know, you need to kind of, you know, sort of uh, almost feel it, you know, and then you can appreciate it. It's the quiet voice, the quiet voice that needs to be listened to. So, really good um, start on this one. Thank you so much indeed, uh, Bev. And um, Mart, your thoughts on this, and then we'll go to Chris. Quickly, it can be learned, can be developed. Uh, I'm not an, a big fan of uh, as in you're born with it and that's it. Um, then um, as far as you know, learning more about it, another book, another must read, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 from Greece and Bradbury, uh, another one that has to be read by any leader and be familiar with it, of course. 
Thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on this, and then we'll hear from Sarbajit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, with Martin Bev. It is something that can be developed, um, and I think it, with good coaching, um, but it has to be, we're talking about authentic leadership. This has to be authentic as well. If if you try um, and, and sort of come over with, um, you know, self-awareness and emotional intelligence, and it's not authentic, everybody can see through it. So it's something that can be worked on and it's something that can be coached, but you then have to practice it. You have to apply what you're learning and, and be ready. That vulnerability and humility comes into it as well. Be ready for feedback because it can sometimes go wrong. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, I'll, I'll, I might come back to that point in a few moments. Um, Sabajit, is it nature or nurture? Is it something that you're born with? Uh, well, I will say it's as I will agree with the rest saying it's uh, both and not only me or this panel, uh, researchers have also confirmed it. And uh, people like Daniel Goldman, who, is who just popularized the concept of emotional intelligence um, about in the mid 90s, he himself wrote about it. And uh, yeah, to, cult to, to nurture it, yeah, to make it even better. We have to take a feedback and be ready, ready to change. The first thing that the problem happens is we are not ready to change. Uh, we think if things are natural, we try to be stubborn and even want to change. But the first thing is if we can change, then we can nurture it and be much better. And the authentic thing comes from the humbleness which we, which we nurture more. And, and then we can grow. And that is what so the essence of leadership. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Um, Bev, you had some further thinking on this one. Yes, I do. Thanks, Nick. Um, I was just thinking that, you know, we're sort of suggesting to um, to our listeners about practice and, and getting feedback. And, you know, you're trying to practice something that's really new that's going to take you out of your comfort zone and, and that creates a little bit of anxiety and, and you know, you don't want to, look silly and, and that's that whole vulnerable, uh, being vulnerable. One of the things that I did that um, really helped me was uh, I was sent off on a, uh, you know, it was a um, sent off. It was an uh, organizational leadership program that we were piloting. And when I came back to my team, I shared with my team some of the things that um, we'd learned or, or that that um, you know some of these different models and things, and I actually took them through some of the things that I wanted to actually practice um, to let them know that if they thought I was sort of behaving a little bit odd or doing something a little bit that looks a little bit weird, that it was actually I was trying to practice something new, and for them to feel comfortable to sort of um, give me the feedback that if they felt that it was actually you know something of of um, that they observed that was was uh, you know a better way or. Or, or however they felt about the behavior or the outcome or the conversation. And that really then gave me a safe environment and a safe place to practice these skills. And it also gave the team the opportunity to lean in and actually support me, develop to be a better leader for them as well. So it's a really simple tip um, if you want to, you know, take on something new and, and try it out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. And um, I can't remember who sang this song, and it's quite a cheesy song, and it was called the Sunscreen Song. 
All right. And you might remember it had a variety of different pieces of advice in it. One of which, one of which was do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Now, I would say the same advice should apply to LinkedIn posts about becoming a leader because most of them will make you feel completely inadequate. All right. All of us are flawed. None of us are perfect people. Okay. And the thing to do here is to tune in to those imperfections, be willing to be coached. Coaching is such a marvelous experience when you make that connection and you really believe in it and you work hard at it. Remember the coach is the one that doesn't look exhausted when the athletes just performed. The athlete is the one that looks exhausted. Okay. The coach raises one eyebrow and says, yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, Chris, I apologize. Please save me from my own um, no, no, analogies. No, Go ahead. no, no I, I think that was a very good analogy. I just wanted to, to mention that we, we talk about leaders as if they're at the top of the organization. But leader, leadership hmm. runs right through an organization and right across an organization. And, and it's important. Some of the things that we're talking here are relevant to, um, you know, leadership is really seen as an organizational role as opposed to a personality or a type of individual you are. Um, and you know, what you were just saying, uh, I, I think, applies across the board. There are very junior people in an organization who show fantastic leadership skills. And those need to be nurtured. Those need to be developed. And bear in mind that as you develop them and, and, and nurture them, they may have to go to another organization to, you know, to, to apply those. But I, I do think we need to, when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about leaders and leadership across an organization and through an organization. It's really, really important. And thank you, Chris, because that um, is something that we can all work on, all right? And yes. we don't have to be in the hierarchy, in the top echelons, excuse me, of an organization to practice. Let's move on. Shanice, then, please, we'll take our next question if we can. Yep, we've got another live question from um, Diane. What are some recommendations to practice authentic leadership traits in a fast-paced, deadline-orientated organization? All right. Now, while the panel's thinking about this one, I'm going to jump in on this one. Um, uh, very early in my career, we talked about transactional um, leaders and transformational leaders. Now, I don't know if this is still leading practice or not, mm -hmm. but a transactional leader generally, if I can paraphrase, is somebody who doesn't really care about what happens as to the uh, steps that you take so long as you end up at the right outcome, whereas the transformational leader is actually trying to you know, help embed, bring the team with them, if you like, and help embed you know, a whole variety of new ways of working and, you know, as they go along. So from that perspective, I would say be super careful. If your organization has a high cadence, you're monthly or quarterly focused, you're results driven, take care because you may appear as increasingly transactional and that is not good for a sustainable leader. Um, it's a good way to exit. Organization, it's not necessarily a great way to stay. Um, Bev, uh, your thoughts on this, and then we'll hear from Chris. Um, I, I think of the teams that work in that very sort of agile type of environment here, where where things are moving at a fast pace and, and changing regularly. Um, 
to me, it's that just that checking in, you know, like at the end of a meeting or at the end of, um, you know, conversations, just, just leaning in and just asking the questions, everything okay, were you okay with that? Some people um, need to take the time out to reflect. Um, or to go away and do a bit more research or to explore um, what the, you know, what the objectives or what the, the outcomes are. And they actually need that little bit of space. So whilst it's fast paced, you still need to give people that, that breathing space. So enabling people to do that, I think, is really important. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Chris, your thoughts and then Sarbajit. Yeah, just building on what Bev said and um, especially about agile organizations, and that's not just agile development, but true agile in organizations, agility in organizations. I think it's very, very important, and part of that agile approach is leadership as opposed to management, because lots of organizations that are in the question, fast-paced, deadline-orientated organizations, are very well-managed organizations, not necessarily very well-led organizations. And, you know, from a management point of view, if you look at the definition of management, it, the word control comes up quite a lot. And so it, it, one has to exhibit behaviors, I would suggest, um, that demonstrate leading a team, giving freedom to the team, creating an environment where a team can work and produce the outcomes they need. Um, and, and that can still be done. It doesn't matter how fast-paced an organization is. But to behave differently, you have to think differently first. So think about leadership in that environment rather than just plow in and, and try and change from management to leadership. Thank you very much indeed. Great advice. Um, Sabajet and then Mart. Hi. Um, well, I would like to extend this uh, the the agile thing that was talked about. Now, I am also a practitioner of DevOps. DevSecOps, and uh, so when we talk about this, which is also a philosophy, not a technology area or something. Now, there we see the first thing of this philosophy is to have a fearless environment. That means it's not about fear of getting, you know, something horrible being done, but it's about fear of being oppressed. And here, uh, the the management is, as we say, management means control, but however, with a digitally transformed organization, the leadership transform. And from control, you just have influence and empowering. So when people are empowered, what DevOps tries to say that you have to empower people, you have to let them do the experimentation and give them the leeway to fail, to learn from there and to move on. And it doesn't say that with that, you will be slow. So fast organization do not need to be uh, organization that is always backstabbing each other. We can be the best organization. If you look at some of them like Netflix, Google, and um, a few others, they have been doing wonderfully well with this new philosophy. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed. And if you're a sports fan and you're watching some of the Rugby World Cup um, uh, performances, you'll notice that uh, it's very fast paced. Um, it's quite interesting because the ball often travels backwards and yet the team make progress forwards. And so occasionally the ball is thrown beyond the next player. 
um, in order to be able to increase the pace. So it's an interesting kind of um, way of looking at things and thinking about things, isn't it? And um, Mart, final thoughts on this, and then we'll move on. Just quickly, um, I'll, I would say again that word coach, be a good coach who is able to uplift people, but also um, somebody who can remove obstacles. I think those are two uh, key elements in a fast-paced environment. All right. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Shanice, let's move on, please. I, I know that we've got questions stacking up. We've got, actually, time is not on our side panel, so we're going to move at some pace now, if we can, and take our next question, please. Of course. We've got a question from Lewis. Does the panel think that anyone can become an authentic leader? Are some people just always going to be better off as followers? Okay. Can anybody? become an authentic leader. Um, I I would say we all have the aptitude to be leading in different contexts. It's really about finding the context where that leadership is going to really shine through. Sabajit, your thoughts, then we'll hear from Chris. Right. Now, uh, a couple of questions earlier, we talked about can this be nurtured or nature? We all... Uh, agree that yes, it is kind of both. So if that's be true, then anyone can become an authentic leader, right? And all you have to do is you have to come out of your comfort zone, and then you have to you have to accept the feedback of people and see how you can improve. And there is no way that there are some born followers. Each and every one of us in our own life, we are leaders at our home, at our work in other places as well. It need not be that every time you should be a leader at your work and you should have a, a, a glass box to sit into where people can only see you uh, performing from outside, you know. I remember going to some of these uh, animal sanctuaries and we can see that happening, you know. We are outside and then others are inside and we can watch. So it should not be that. Leaders are open who are among us and beat us. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Chris, your thoughts? I think that's a a very good point. Some people who are absolutely brilliant leaders outside of the work environment, in in their faith, in their church, in their social activities, are not necessarily comfortable with being being the leader sort of in, in the work with their, with their work colleagues. Um, so I think that some people, and I, I think it can be nurtured, it can be developed, but we shouldn't be putting square pegs in round holes where people aren't comfortable. Um, and I mentioned uh, quite a few minutes ago the term resilience. Taking the pressure of, of work when you're, looking, when you're trying to lead a, quite a large team, perhaps, or even, a, or even a small team, people aren't comfortable with it. They're very good at what they do. So let them do what they do and do it well. We don't have to keep pushing people sort of further up the organization. And they can mm-hmm. be leaders in their team. And they don't have to be leaders in the hierarchy. Yeah, it's really, really important that um, I remember some years ago when I was in the software industry, we were looking at specialist roles for um, uh, technical people um, because, you know, previously the 
career progression was it, it was assumed mm. that people would go from individual contributor to team leader to manager yeah. and, and then to business unit leader and so on and so on. And many people didn't want to do that. They really didn't want to do that. They really enjoyed doing what they were doing. So thinking about that from an organizational design perspective, and, you know, if you're working in HR and you're working in, you know, um, uh, talent management within an organization, Really, really think about those career paths and allow that thought leadership to shine, that situational leadership to shine rather, rather than simply pushing them up into uh, administrative roles that you know, are not suitable for everybody. Very good. Let's move on then, please, um, if we can, Shanice, and take the next question. Yep. We've got another question uh, from Becky. Is self-discipline required to become an authentic leader? I struggle to command respect with my colleague. Sorry, I struggle to command respect and my colleague advised self-discipline will help with this. Okay, so it's quite a, I'm trying to just unpack the question, Becky. So thank you very much for it. Sabajit, why don't you take one dimension and then we'll hear from Bev if we can. All right. Now, when we, um, you know, we want to be a leader and we struggle to get uh, command. Now, the thing is, respect can only be uh, attained if you respect others. So you, others will follow you, respect you if you do that. But one thing is we have to have consistency. And the consistency is what about self-discipline? If I'm consistent, if I show people that I am truthful, I walk my talk, yeah, then they will know that I am good and I can be relied upon. Then only they will follow and respect. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Bev, your thoughts? Thank you. I was actually going to um, uh, say something very similar around uh, respect and trust and approaching it very much around, um, you know, you build trust by by um, uh, displaying trust in others and being trustful that way. Um, the second part of the question around the, the discipline and and, um, and some of the language in the question, you know, commanding respect, um, is it because there's a, a perceived lack of um, experience or, you know, are you seen as, as um um, not having any of the technical kudos or, or any of those types of elements? And is that what's actually call it, causing that disparity? Or is it behaviour um, where you might not be as confident in some of the decisions that you're making as well? So I, I would probably suggest to, uh, to Becky to go back to her colleague and actually sort of say, what's the feedback you're getting and, and why you know what what are what are you hearing and seeing why am i not actually being perceived as being respected um and what can i then learn from that feedback okay excellent thank you very much indeed now then for everybody who's watching online and becky this is one of those questions that when we unpack it, the, the phrase, it depends, is, is hitting me all of the time between my ears, okay? So rather than try and deal with this um, explicitly here, there is a general invitation, by the way, to all of the Level Up viewers. You are most welcome to connect with members of the panel. You can find our LinkedIn bios 
off the APMG International website. Just go to the events page, look up today's event, and you'll find all of us listed there. And you can click through, read a little bit about our professional careers via LinkedIn or our websites and so on. And then by all means, you know, reach out to us and form that connection. We're always welcoming of people that want to connect in a professional way. Um, A little less so if you're seeing it as a business development opportunity from a a professional development opportunity. By all means, fill your boots. Very good. Let's move on, Shanice, if we can. Let's take our next question, please. We've got another live question from uh, Dutton on LinkedIn. What is the connection between emotional intelligence and cultural differences? And how can a leader engage them in agile teams? located teams. All right. Okay. So we've got about just about every level of complexity that there is in a modern organization. Now, Bev, you transcend this world all of the time, helping people kind of figure it out. What, what are your thoughts? Where would you begin with this particular Jenga pile of challenges? I actually would uh Begin firstly by um, just trying to uh, just trying to um, understand a little bit more about my team and the environment that they operate in, um, and and um, getting them to talk about what how they like to work and how they operate, um, and that might be around sort of sharing that this is my expectations and how I work, but. Does that work for you? Um, and it is hard because, you know, cultural differences um, can include um, some language barriers. They can include the time differences. They, they include a whole uh, a whole raft of things. And then being in that whole agile piece as well, where um, a lot of the work is, is sort of being put up on your Miro boards and stuff like that, I think it's really uh, the leader having to ask questions and listen and um, build those connections and, and um, uh, just take the time. I think it's just take the time to understand some of the differences and how we actually can leverage those. But how do we, how do we work together? Yeah, I agree with that. Now, Sabajit, I spent some time in my earlier career working in your region in the world, and um, I was not getting the right signals from the groups and the teams that I was working with, or rather I was getting the right signals, but I was misinterpreting, misinterpreting those signals. Mm. So Sabaja, in Southeast Asia, how would you go about unpacking this set of cultural challenges with having that emotional intelligence to, to recognize what's happening? Um, yeah, true. Um, the thing is, in this part of the world, people are always, um, because we are more in number, so we have to, we have an urge to prove ourselves and we want to do more, more than what is required. So that kind of pushes people. Now, that one good thing is uh, it may bring up the good quality, the leadership part, whatever it is, or it may bring you down. But today I want to also talk about one thing. If you just go and check this thing, Leadership on a Submarine, it's a YouTube video. And that talks about how um, uh, um, a submarine commander just uh, delegated his leadership and then how that changed the way of management. And that is something wonderful. I mean, 
even though there's a cultural change, but if we trust others, and then if we can delegate, then people do show their capability, and they can then rise up. All right, excellent. Thank you very much. Now, um, uh, I'll just share with you two key things. One was um, very early in my career, I, I mistook people nodding um, as their approval, and they were simply transmitting <laughs> to me that they were still listening to me. It's a very different thing. Okay, <laughs> So there's an example of a European not getting a business culture in a different part of the world. Um, uh, also, just within Europe, it's a tiny geography, but it's full of diversity and very, very different ways of thinking and working and acting and behaving and so on. So um, do have a little read if you're due to work in Europe. Um, of a book by John Mole. I do think it was updated fairly recently, and it talks about all of the different business cultures that you will find in these tiny, tiny countries that collectively make up what is uh, one of the most diverse and most interesting um, parts of the world. So, John Mole, it's called Mind Your Manners. So, it's a very easy one, actually, to remember. It's all about appreciating other people's business cultures and uh, hopefully tuning into them. All right, very good. Um, so, Shanice, I think we're going to be super quick. We've got a couple of minutes left of time. Uh, panel, we might just take one or two answers to our final question for today. Wonderful. Um, we've actually got a live question from Arlene. As a leader seeking to maintain a happy and healthy organisation that is successful at achieving its goals and objectives, which comes first, people or projects? People are projects. What really does come first? Um, Bev, your thoughts? People. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, that, that is, you know, true, authentic leadership in action, ladies and gentlemen. All right. If you wanted to see evidence of that. Um, Chris, I'm, I imagine you're going to, you know, agree wholeheartedly with Bev. Is, is that right, Chris? <laughs> projects full stop <laughs> thank you thank you I, I, I think you <laughs> we may have we may have just clipped the audio off a little bit there but um no i th i think we got that kind of in a heartbeat really um it is so important you know it is really really so important for us to be able to you know the clue is in the question really isn't it arlene thank you so much mm -hmm. that you know the well-being of the organization uh, relies on mm -hmm. every part working together uh, in a symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, you know, it's important to, you know, really do think through the, uh, the people dimension of everything that we're doing. Well, very good. Well, look, um, everybody, it's been an absolute um, rocket paced ride, okay, through this topic around becoming an authentic leader. So thank you very much indeed to all of our producers online. You've done an amazing job today of hitting us with some great questions. And um, the panel did look from time to time a little bit quiz quizzical okay, about, <laughs> about some of them as we were we were trying to think our way into them. So you did a great job with, with all of the questions. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go to the panel and ask you to share your closing remarks um, with us. So if I may, Sabajit, I will come to you first and then we'll hear from Bob. So uh, Sabajit, closing remarks for today, please. <clears throat> Thank you. Today, yeah, it was a very challenging. I mean, I have been in panels, many of them, 
And today, the questions and the life questions that kept me on the toes. Thank you so much, all the audience. As we always say, thank you, because without you, mm -hmm. we won't be here. And you made us come up with the answers for your queries. It's just not answers. It's just we have to think over from our own experience and then talk about what we practice. Because if I am not authentic, I cannot share. Thank you very much Thank indeed. Uh, Bev and then Mart. Um, I, I think it's just a couple of very simple things. Um, so be confident, believe in yourself, uh, be consistent in the way that you behave and the way that you um, deal with situations and um, with individuals. So be consistent. Always, always practice um, your personal integrity. Be empathetic. But most of all, just be yourself. Thank you very much indeed, Bev. Great advice. Everybody else is taken, by the way. So you need to be yourself. Um, sounds an obvious statement, but it's absolutely true. Mart, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from Chris. Uh, thank you, Nick. Those were some robust questions indeed. So thank you, everybody, for those questions. Um, I want to um, refer to, and it will be in the uh, uh, after the show when uh, the title show up, the, a link to a speech from Admiral, uh, uh, let's see, McRaven. It's a motivational speech at a graduation, uh, and it's, it's a must-watch for anyone who, uh, who seeks an example of somebody who is inspiring and can motivate. So it's a must-watch clip on the YouTube. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, already half the audience is making a note of that because I'm imagining if it's an admiral and it's a graduation speech, there's lots of people in uniform. There's likely to be a great number of people now heading over to YouTube to uh, to watch that one. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Um, always great links, always great recommendations, by the way, from uh, Mark um, on every show. Chris, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from Janice. Well, I, I've just enjoyed this. It's been brilliant. So thanks for inviting me and thanks to the um, um, those that have given the questions. I'd make an observation that the, the workforce of now and the future, when you look at you know, millennials, Gen Z, Alpha, and what have you, they're not used to working in hierarchies and being managed. They don't like being controlled. So leadership across networks is going to be absolutely key um, for our lives, our social lives, as well as our business lives. But the one thing I'd say, and I think um, Bev mentioned it, be authentic you first before you can be an authentic leader and just believe in yourself. Really, really good advice. And if there's, if there's nothing else you can always refer back to, you know, that thinking that we were talking a little bit about earlier, it always starts with us. You know, it starts with us, the people that we want to be today. And if you've had a tough day today, then tomorrow is another new day for you to begin and so on and so on. And that's how you kind of build it out. And um, Shanice, um, a really rapid, fast-paced uh, show today. I know that you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes, getting everything queued up. So um, your thoughts on today? It's been so insightful. I feel so inspired and I've taken so much information away. So thank you, uh, panellists. And thank you to everyone that asked all those questions. We have stacks of questions that we didn't even manage to get through. So it's a very important topic. Maybe we might have to return back to this uh, one in the future. <laughs> 
I'm sure that we will. You know, it's increasingly something that people want to dig into and, and spend a little bit more time on. So we will roll over the questions that we didn't get to today. So thank you, Shanice, for all of your hard work. Thank you to the social team online. And thank you to all of our producers. Our producers are actually you, the audience, okay? At 60 minutes of Q&A and you set all of the questions for us to be able to answer. What's coming up next then? Let's look forward a little bit now, um, if we can, on Level Up. So um, we have, of course, over on our website, the answers to more than 1,400 questions that have previously been submitted to various panels, more than 170 experts from all across the world have answered those. So you can dig into those and search for them by topic and even by individual question. Don't forget, you can listen to the audio versions of the shows on your preferred podcast platform as well. Now then, coming up next week, it's really busy actually here at APMG. We've got a whole variety of webinars going on as well as Level Up events. So do check out the events page on apmg-international.com and look up the complete program. Monday the 24th, we're going to be facing up to climate change as well as a whole range of other things that can hit businesses as we explore how to build a business resilience plan, and importantly, how to do that in a pragmatic way so that you can actually use it. Before next week, going on then to building a culture of business relationship management across your organization on Friday the 28th. Halloween is, of course, on the 31st of October, and we're going to take a spooky look into how to grow your business by measuring all of the right things. Okay, I don't know if there's going to be ectoplasm, but there'll certainly be excitement. Subscribe to the show, and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you too, of course, can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time.